The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Every time a missile misses its target, a train derails, or a faulty airbag fails to save a life, we wonder whether these failures, which can sometimes reach catastrophic proportions, are caused by a counterfeit part that may have infiltrated the supply chain. Welcome to People to People, working together for your safety with host Stan Salat Jr. Stan has the answers to your questions on protecting yourself and the safety of your loved ones, including your pets. Don't miss out. Now, here is Stan Salat. Hello and welcome to People to People, working together for your safety. I'm your host. Stan Salad Jr., and I'd like you to welcome you to today's show, Deter- Deterring Pending Disasters, Protecting Our Freedom. Uh, it's a mouthful to say, but it said one, uh, it, it has been said. Today's show, again, Deterring Pending Disasters, Protecting Our Freedoms. Today's show is made possible by our sponsors, BQPM LLC and Secure Components. BQPM is Business and Quality Process Management Consulting and Training. You can find them at www.bqpm.com. Our other sponsor at this time is Secure Components. Secure Components is an independent distributor, and you can find them at securecomponents.com. Let's preface that with the www.securecomponents.com. For more information about toxic free products and counterfeit avoidance work that we do, please take a minute to visit our websites. You can find them at www.hsf.us for the toxic free products, the counterfeit, uh, I'm sorry, the hazardous substance free mark alliance. And for counterfeit avoidance, it is www.counterfeitavoidance.org. Uh, remember, that's O-R-G. It's not uh, .com. Our show today is divided into three segments. In the first segment, my guest, Aaron Coker, Vice President, Sales, Astute Electronics, an international independent distributor of electronic components, and I will discuss the effects counterfeit components have in the international supply chain. Aaron will provide his insights on what it takes to eradicate the counterfeit pandemic that we face today. You can also, while we're talking, if you want to know a little more about Astute, uh, you can see them, visit their website at www.astute-inc.com. In segment two, I'm very pleased to have Robert Tipton, retired colonel from the uh, U.S. Air Force. We'll take a, he and I will talk about the effects that counterfeit components have on a mission and what he is doing in his current role to address this in aging aircraft and systems. In the third segment, I'll share information about the hazardous substance 
free work that's being done. So without further ado, let me uh, let me introduce, coming to us live from uh, just outside of London, that's in the UK when I say London, I'm very pleased to have Aaron Coker uh, from Astute. He's, as I said before, the Vice President of Sales. Hello, Aaron. Good morning, Stan. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's actually afternoon here, but we'll forgive you since it's <laughs> late evening over there. Thank you. Um, Aaron, just just before you get started, you're the VP of Astute Electronics, and that's a UK company, as I understand. But you've also got offices here in the US. Absolutely, we opened our first US facility in 2007. Uh, that was in Suffolk, Virginia. It was really a requirement of many of the Milero primes that we were dealing with. They have a footprint that spans across North America. And Europe, but predominantly the UK, the likes of BAE Systems, Raytheon, L3, Lockheed, Northrop, the list goes on. Yeah, some of those small companies that we, we come to know here in the U.S. I understand you actually participated, actually you were the, um, as I call them, the entrepreneur of that uh, office opening here in the U.S. Yes, I, I, it was, I guess, my vision to open the U.S. facility. I'd mentioned the primes, but also there is a requirement for their sub-tier. What they were really looking for was a distributor that could provide a different alternative to what was already available to them in North America. That obvious being the footprint and knowledge that we had from our UK base and the knowledge of mainland Europe. Very good. So just just briefly, Astute provides electronic components, hardware, uh, services. Is What all does Astute do? Primarily, the primary function for Astute when it originated back in 1999 was to solve obsolescence. Uh, independents are well known to be used in times of allocation uh, to solve hard-to-find parts. Now, I think that if you look back at the history of an independent military business, aerospace business, has really been the foundations for many of the small to medium-sized companies. Right. It's the, the longevity is there. The projects are ongoing. They have long life cycles. And with that, of course, is a large amount of obsolescence. If we look at what the U.S. government did some years back, there was also a drive to introduce COTS into the supply chain. That in itself created numerous problems, required independence to adapt. But really what happened was the independence became an absolute crucial part of any supply chain, a robust supply chain, that even though parts would be non-traceable, they wouldn't be coming out of a franchise stream. You had knowledgeable individuals within these organizations that could take care of those requirements. Yeah, I can remember vividly uh, shaking my head when when folks in uh, high places started talking about the reduction of high-rel military-grade components going to the commercial off-the-shelf. Absolutely, absolutely. At the time, it seemed like, uh, (laughs) well, those in high places had lost their mind. Uh, the rest of the world was applauding it, and particularly the component manufacturers, since they no longer had to have this special line. 
but over the years, that's proven to be quite a challenge, I take it. Yes, it really has. I mean, still now, we're requested for numerous ceramic packages. I mean, these are parts that were first designed 20 years ago that are still designed in the bills of materials and if available, they'll continue to be used. They won't be designed out. The package itself is far more robust in the field. Um, if you look at the Rojas conversion that was required, people actually now still prefer leaded product within these appliances. So it, it, it's tried, it's tested, it works. They're after robust. I think that when it comes to high rail, that's really the key. It's not necessarily the availability. All right. Unfortunately, uh, time and money uh, has dictated that we find less expensive and certainly with technology changes. But then, as you've pointed out in, in your comments just now, we're talking about stuff that was actually designed 20, 30, in some cases possibly longer, uh, farther back than that. Absolutely. Again, if you look at the idea behind COTS, if you go to war, one of the requirements is that material, product, equipment needs to be available very quickly. Ceramic packages, test and required or mill spec part is time consuming and there is high fallout. I guess somewhere the powers that be above looked at that, weighed up the options and decided that COTS would give the route. To the war zone far quicker than the military product that was designed in. That, that could be the only common sense. So uh, let's let's take a look at this from a different uh, point of view, or, or potentially a little different. I assume that the U.S. stands by itself, and the European Union, uh, from your perspective, has no counterfeit uh, electronic pandemic going on over there. Well, unfortunately, that's not <laughs> quite the case. Um, <laughs> Well, what's very interesting, everybody is now aware, but there are significantly different approaches from both sides. Now, that's not to say that each side has got it wrong. To the contrary, I actually think that each side has got it right. But what I can see, I'm in a fortunate position being based in the UK, but having lived in Virginia for several years and working with several of the primes, that mainland Europe and the UK to counteract this counterfeit problem they've gone down the specific route sure yes we have to test and there has to be controls in place but they really believe in chosen partners and trust very heavily audited regular visits open book policy that is what the key is because what they believe issues will arise it doesn't matter what product we're talking about. Counterfeiters will change their techniques. It is very difficult to stay one step ahead. Unfortunately, in many cases, we are going to be reactive. Now, it's their view that if you choose a partner and you stick with that partner, you will overcome those issues between them. Now, if we look at the U.S., it's head and shoulders above the rest of the world in terms of test and actually the techniques that the counterfeiters use to get these products out into the marketplace. However, the one thing that worries me is the litigation side. 
And that is where NDA818 has put a huge onus on the primes, which, of course, is then flowed down toward the sub-tiers. And that really seems to be where that's concentrated. Now, from my perspective, and I know this, I share this view of many others, somewhere in the middle, I believe you've actually got the perfect solution. Yes. Sorry, Stan. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely um, plain to my, my uh, equal belief that uh, there is a middle ground there that's a combination. And uh, let me let you go, go on from there. It's the, the, the key to counterfeit mitigation is the supply chain. Right. Many people talk about test as being the key. That If you're testing components, you've already got those products in. Right. So any vendor has to have control over their supply chain. Now, any vendor worth the salt would be quite comfortable being audited and a, a real deep analysis into their controls, what is added to their ERP, what metrics they use to monitor vendors, how they react to those metrics. If the supplier is truly confident in their own processes, they will invite the customers in to witness that. That creates trust, and that is a big step towards emitting this problem. There is no point in either side walking, pointing fingers at each other. The I, way to solve this is partnerships. I, I suspect you... Um you walk carefully and look over your shoulder as you go around uh, espousing to working together and trusting but verifying discussions? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have to be careful as well, being a, a British citizen. If, if I'm going around the U.S. saying you should trust me, right. there are several issues that, to that point uh, you know, with ITAR controls. But, Stan, I, I think from my opinion is – from a, a quality independent and how to emit counterfeit when it comes to what we class as non-traceable product. Right. Every single box has to be ticked. It's up to the customer. They start this whole process off in terms of emitting. It can't just be pointed at the supplier saying, you deal with the problem. And that's where this trust is formulated from that customer. They take the initiative. I must say, I've got many years of working internationally, and I and I uh, spent a good number of those years. I actually, like yourself, I wound up living uh, in Germany. Uh, that was military, but I spent eight years over there in the military, U.S. military. Um, and one of the things I did learn was that uh, the European Union or the European community, I'll say it that way, going back in time, uh, there was a lot more willingness to work together to trust, if you will, but and and I use the terms trust but verify. It wasn't just blanket trust. Uh, you you weren't just trusted because you said so, but there was a process of trusting and validating that trust was being met with honesty and integrity. Uh, and it, uh, I have to look over my shoulder as I also say things like. You know, we tend to trust but sue. Uh, we take legal action before we actually start working together. Uh, I don't think I would be out of line in saying that as a general consensus, if, if we look at now, if I watch advertising on, on, in the U.S., 
you, you know, every other advert wants to sue someone for something. They want to find a liability, want to find a problem because there's financial gain to be had. And it, it's, to me, it seems a sad state of affairs, and, and I see it spreading over to Europe as well. And this is the problem with counterfeit. It's all too easy to say, right, counterfeiters, counterfeit components that are filtrated, prime sub-tiers, you're going to be sued. You're going to be the ones that liable. Sure, what it does is give everybody a kick up the backside and get you into gear and, and, and helps formulate plans to admit, but it doesn't solve the problem. All right. Yeah, we, we've begun, and that's part of what uh, the organization that I'm working with, the, the Counterfeit Avoidance and the uh, ECC Corp, is, and we're really about what you're prescribing as the right approach, and that is to to demonstrate through openness, through assessments, through working together, uh, that you really have as a company a mitigation plan in place. Um, our, one of our sponsors, uh, uh, Secure Components, has done that by actually achieving certification under the AS6081 standard on an international level. And I would hope that we see many companies doing that in the future. Absolutely. It's one big problem when I see customers and they talk about testing and they will ask, what do we do? First of all, customers, prime subcontractors tend to get concerned because we have tests in-house. <laughs> they, they seem to believe that they are worried because we can determine the outcome. Right. Now, to me, it, it puts a huge amount of onus, pressure, and requires a huge amount of investment. For us to be able to test, you know, all of a sudden there, we've got that liability, that burden on our shoulders to determine. And unfortunately, I've talked about it, the litigation, one strike and we are out. Right. So actually, I think that independence with test in-house really show that they are in it for the long term, that they want to become a, a solid partner within this battle against counterfeit. It absolutely puts the burden on you, doesn't it? Without a doubt, it's, it, people also have to understand that for distributors to bring components in and then fail them, there is a cost associated to that, and we don't pass that on to the customer. Right. That is part of it. We're talking about absolute transparency and trust. Well, it, it is the, the way of the future, and I, uh, I fully and completely support your uh, – your recommended recommended approach to this. Um, we're going to need to take a break here in just a, a few seconds, but uh, ten seconds. Any any last comments? And would you be willing to come back to the show if uh, in the future? Absolutely, I'd be willing to. Uh, there is, although the foundations there are now to admit counterfeit. There's still a lot of work to do, but it has to be done together. Very well stated. Aaron, I really appreciate your uh, coming in and, and chatting with us today. Um, fantastic uh, information that you provided and thoughts. Um, I know it's late there in uh, the UK, but uh, hopefully you'll stay with us for the rest of the show. Absolutely, I will. Okay, we're going to take a, a short break here. Um, Voice America needs to uh, identify itself, and our sponsors need to have a little bit of their time. This is Stan Slott. We'll be back shortly. 
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Secure Components is your international certified supplier of obsolete and hard-to-find products. Specializing in counterfeit mitigation, Secure Components is a qualified supplier for the Department of Defense, Aerospace, Military, and Avionics Industries. If you're a business in need of hard-to-find or obsolete components, please contact us by visiting our website, securecomponents.com, or call us at 484-222-5195. Again, 484-222-5195. 5195. Did you know that hazardous substances and counterfeit material can be in everything we buy? From new clothing, cars, toys, power cords, and charging units, to your garden hose and the drywall in your home. Did you know that many of these toxins or counterfeits have been found to cause infertility, birth defects, autism, obesity, and diabetes, which can be passed down from parents to children? It's nearly impossible to know the ingredients in these products, yet Stan Salat Jr., author and creator of the not-for-profit HSF Mark Alliance and Counterfeit Avoidance Mark Alliance, believes that consumers have the right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in the products we buy. Are you a retailer, a manufacturer, a manager, and a person who cares about the safety of the products you sell and buy? Protect your assets, your job, and your family now. Tell Stan that you want his help. Contact BQPM today. Visit our website at www.bqpm.com or call toll-free 877-415-0191. BQPM.com. Together, we are working for your safety. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. This is People to People, working for your safety. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to stan.salat at ecccorp.org. Again, that's stan.salat, S-A-L-O-T, at ecccorp.org. Now, back to People to People. Welcome back to People to People, working together for your safety. I'm your host, Dan Salad Jr. I'd like to welcome you back to today's show, Deterring Pending Disasters, Protecting Our Freedom. As I've shared before, we have two sponsors that uh, we'd like to uh, give credit to on these shows. Uh, one of them is BQPM, uh, Business and Quality Process Management. They do consulting training in all areas of quality and counterfeit avoidance, hazardous substance. You can find them at www.bqpm.com. And Secure Components, an independent distributor out of the uh, Norristown, Philadelphia area. You can find them at www.securecomponents.com. And we certainly appreciate their sponsorship. I want to get right into this. I'd like to introduce my next guest, Robert Bob, as he prefers to be called Tipton. Actually, it's uh, Colonel U.S. Air Force retired. And as an ex-military man, I uh, I virtually salute you, Bob. And welcome <laughs> to the show. Thanks, Dan. Glad to be here. Yeah. 
Hey, it's not often we get to talk to uh, somebody that's been in the uh, been on the ground, or in your case, I guess it's in the air. Uh, so I'd like to uh, recognize that. And first and foremost, thank you for your service to the to the country. Well, it was just uh, the right thing to do for me. Yeah. Well, we all we all do appreciate it. Um, your background, rather than me trying to. Um, to, to cover it all beyond the 30 years of military service, uh, share with us, if you would, a little bit of uh, of your background. Well, I obviously started uh, pre-Vietnam. I'm an ancient guy. I uh, served two tours over there, flying in the backseat of RF-4s, uh, flying over Hanoi and, you know, risking things daily and understood what mission was. And on my second year there i was still the youngest flyer in the squadron i had uh, had the opportunity to go through things pretty rapidly flew for about the first half of my career and threw in uh four years of teaching at the army college which gave me a nice joint uh feel for a really tough business that the army has to to accomplish and then the last half of my career um, got into the uh defense acquisition systems acquisition world and uh, served as uh, in the test world as a uh, fleet manager for a test wing uh, responsible for their systems integrity. And that theme will come up to, you know, instructional integrity before they flew and after test mods. Uh, was fortunate to start what was at that time the transition program to get technology from the laboratory into the field. It was called the Aging Aircraft Program. Uh, and we apparently didn't succeed because our aircraft are still really old out there, Stan. <laughs> and then the uh, last couple of years in the military, I was uh, very fortunate to uh, be a deputy director at the uh, Air Force Research Laboratory Materials Directorate, a uh, world-class group of 1,000 folks that showed me the art of the possible and mm. uh, some things, not only futuristic things, but in the sustainment arena also. Um after uh, retirement, I uh, consulted and worked as an on-site for a few years and went off, and I'd always been uh, interested. I was a player and a ref and a coach for soccer, and we did, and I uh, got my dream job of uh, coaching in St. Augustine, Florida, head college soccer coach. Uh, loved it to death, lowest pay I've ever had since I was a second lieutenant. Uh, that's, that's, we picked that's the year, if you remember, the year before Katrina where there were four hurricanes that ripped through Florida. Right. You well, were that's down there. the fall that we went down there on August the 13th, 19, or excuse me, 2004. First hurricane ripped through. And after the second hurricane in six weeks, my wife said, your dream job isn't our dream job anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we served out the year, and uh, she commuted back and forth to Ohio and actually had a wonderful year, a uh, uh, pleasurable year. And when I, when I came back from that... Um, I continued coaching some in high school, but I decided to uh, shift quite a bit in the uh, work priorities and became a part-timer. Uh, spent a lot more time at home uh, watching sunrises from the patio with her, and we're hitting our 40th anniversary this uh, December, and uh, we love her flowers. We're in Ohio, and we get uh, hummingbirds in the summer, and uh so I'm into those kind of things these days. Retired from coaching about three years ago, 
and now and into been... uh, cutting bluegrass, and I got myself a rescue Siberian husky as a walking mate. She'll okay. either extend my life by a couple of years or kill me, one of the two. Mm. Very, oh, very that's... active talk and a wonderful yeah. thing. And I'm very interested in what you're doing on the pet side. Some of the stuff that happened to our companions is scary. Let's kind of go down that. Let's kind of go down that path because, as you were mentioning, some of the things you've been involved in, it, it's clear that the importance of having good parts in the equipment that uh, our servicemen and women use every day is critical. As well as, you know, the latter part of your comments, uh, we know that there's counterfeiting going on in in pet foods and other such things. So. If you would um, talk to me, talk to the audience a little bit. Share with us what what types of things that you've been involved with, and how you see the uh, counterfeit uh, issue affecting, if you will, our our servicemen and women. Sure, uh, I'm fortunate enough to be a uh, direct support contractor. I'm with Wiley. Uh, I'm not a government. Employee, the PA people wanted me to be sure and mention that. Okay. Uh, so any of my opinions uh, are, are not government opinions. I I help them out on tasks that I'm that I'm good at, can take care of, and a couple of things. Last week's uh, show, you had Phil Zalet on, who was the G19 chair, right? Uh, for fifty five, fifty three, and I've served on uh, uh, G19C. So you know when we now have a standard that's been just coming out of ballot. 6301, that's the third-party verification for 6081, Stan. Right. And that that way, next time, you'll have a checklist and a standard when you do your, your next third-party verification. And also, I was on the uh, G19C, and we developed AS6462, which is the uh, third-party verification standard for the basic electronic counterfeit risk mitigation document, 5553. Uh, so yeah, for, trust, trust is a must, but verifies very much in my uh, in, in my background there with those two. Um, right. And then something happened uh, as we're going along, and we're you know electronics was the big poster child and everything. But in in uh, 2010, uh, Department of Defense, the Parse Standardization Management Committee asked SAE, you know, Society for Automotive Engineers of which uh, I'm G21 co-chair now to do, to address non or excuse me non-electronic counterfeit parts everything from uh plywood raw materials tourniquets medicines uh you name it and if it's not electronics then then we're we're trying to address that in the uh AS6174 you know that that brings up an interesting point as well, and I'm not sure our audience is is fully aware or has really stood back and thought about it much. But while we do a lot of things, and there are a lot of folks involved in the counterfeit electronic components, and it certainly got the government's attention. Both Levin and McCain were were significantly vocal in it. Yes, sir. Um, you know, I, I can remember back to my days in the military and going to the infirmary to get help medically. Uh, there's a lot of peripheral 
devices. There's there's a lot of peripheral things, including the material we build uh, houses out of that are used in in various countries and in the U.S. Uh, government quarters, as we used to call them. All of that can be affected by this counterfeiting issue, and all of it can put our servicemen and women and their families in jeopardy. Well, it, it can, Stan. Are, are you familiar with that IBM commercial where the doctor comes on and says, I have a drug problem? I have seen that commercial, and yes. He says, and I forget the number, but I think it's 10% or whatever the estimate. It's it's a significant percent of the drugs, he said. And I know they're having to estimate because it's so hard to get numbers right. for these things uh, are counterfeit. And, you know, the the upper Department of Defense folks, I, I like what Mr. Coker said about supply chain integrity. Counterfeit parts are important, but they're one piece of several items that go into supply chain integrity. You know, non-conforming parts, uh, substandard parts, uh, used parts represented as new, uh, parts that have been changed without a, appropriate change notices like, uh, lead-free solder leads right. going away and becoming, uh, you know, uh, getting lead-free instead of tin lead in high-rel applications. Um, and it's much more, uh, it's much more narrow on the non-electronic side. And what we're finding out is a lot of the instances tend end up being anecdotal, uh, you know, rather than systemic. Uh, and, and like on the electronic side, I know when they did the Department of Commerce study, I think it was between 05 and 08, wasn't it? That it it tripled the electronics uh, reporting. Yes, that's my understanding. And in that same period, they said they couldn't come up with a number for the non-electronics. But if you talk to uh, the customs folks or the intellectual property uh, rights folks, you know, that they've got that joint office in Washington with about 12 or 13 agencies in it. I mean, from a jobs and a dollars perspective, you know, clothing, uh, medicine, shoes, uh, it's just, it almost doesn't stop. It seems like the counterfeiting that's gone on, as uh, I think Phil said last week for hundreds of years, is becoming part of the industry. In, in critical applications, that's not acceptable. You have to have supply chain integrity. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to be talking about that in the third segment of this show when it comes to the integrity and particularly the used items. But you once again trip my thinking over to an area that it just it goes beyond the electronics in this case. But when we stop and think or remember that we clothe our military – um, our government folks, even our civilian police forces, our fire departments, when you stop and think of all those people that are putting on clothes, putting on boots, uh, wearing hard hats in all of that material, if it isn't what you expect it to be, could wind up being disaster. Um, in every case, uh, there are things that can go wrong. And it's a matter of uh, you have to have a really solid process and processes in place to know what you want to buy, 
specify it correctly, know who you're buying from, know what you're getting, and then making sure it gets to the uh, to the right place on time. That is absolutely incredibly difficult. Uh, and, I, and I marvel at the logisticians of the world and supply people that they do, you know, as well as they do with their fill rates and things. But sometimes, as, as Mr. Coker mentioned, the the diminishing manufacturing sources and the aging systems across the services, you're out trying to find something that hasn't been produced in years or decades. Right. And if someone has an incentive to fill that immediately, and then you put on the back end of it, oh, we're almost out of money, so you got to get the lowest price part, it, it's a formula for, you know, uh, it doesn't look good, does it? No, and, and in fact, uh, I'll be a little controversial in this one, but uh, when we partially shut down the government and then still have to supply critical parts, it, it puts a strain on everything, and that point of get it in, get it to where it needs to be, and not having the time or the resources to verify that you've got the right stuff at the right time, again, takes us back to Aaron's comments. If you don't have a solid supply chain that has value, that's, that is, in fact, a known process, known entities, uh, we do wind up at a huge risk. Well, you know, the young women and men who protect all, I'll say, the free world, are they're magnificent. They're way smarter than I ever dreamed of being. They're dedicated. Uh, and, you know, it deserves our best effort to make sure that whatever they have in their hands or to operate or they're riding in or on or using is not only the top quality when it was manufactured, but it works right, works right the first time and every time when they need it. Uh, yes. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's just that important. Uh, uh. So I know one of the things you said, why, why do you keep working or doing something? Well, this, this is a challenging arena, and we haven't fixed anything yet, but we're sure bringing attention to the issues, I think. Yes, and that, that perhaps is uh, a cornerstone of people-to-people working together for your safety is trying to bring to people's attention. We recognize that uh, not everybody that's listening, our, our audience is a mixture of uh, professionals out in the world of decision-making for the types of things we're talking about to the moms and dads and uh, folks like you and I that have sons and daughters and grandsons and granddaughters um, or just friends that are still in the military. And that goes beyond just U.S. I mean, that's military worldwide, as Absolutely. you said, and you know, the free the, world. Since the uh, move from military standards in the U.S. to depending upon industry, you know, for basically doing the standards and everything, that's it's incumbent to work with our industry brethren up front and early to make sure as we develop these AS's and other ones that their applicability and usefulness for not only the Department of Defense but Homeland Security, Missile Defense Agency, National Security Agency, uh, they're still useful for that because we're dependent on that for you know our industry's quality, not only for the new things but to sustain the things that we have already bought for the decades ahead. And I would almost think that as we're learning what we're learning, we can do better going forward. Hopefully we will, but it's the past that uh, really 
requires some extensive uh, work and energy today because we still do have some very old equipment that I know some of it's still out there, and I used it in the 60s myself. Well, you know, you get uh, 40 to 50-year-old, uh, I'll go back to my Air Force days, but uh, cargo and bombers. And when uh, I was in Vietnam, we had an 8-year-old RF-4, and we considered it obsolete. And now, you know, average fighter age approaching, what, 20 years? Yes. Yeah, so it, it's a different world in the... And the young folks, once again, that uh, maintain and, and go to great lengths to make sure that the operators have what they need when they need it, they do a marvelous job, you know. And we just, us old folks in the background, I'm just trying to see if there's a little bit we can do and make sure it's easier for them in the future and uh, hopefully they're safe and can come home. You know, when you said that, I, it struck a note. Uh, maybe what we, you and I need to do is uh, get in touch with the Veterans Association and put some of our veterans back to work and uh, figuring out how to solve this problem. Uh, we, they're a great asset. Yes, they are. Great asset. Well, Bob, let me uh, let me thank you tremendously for taking time to uh, chat with me today on the show. I've enjoyed it, Stan. It's a pleasure to be here. It is certainly never enough time. We could uh, obviously go on talking for a long time, but I do need to give the station a bit of time to uh, acknowledge who they are and our sponsors to do uh, or rec- not recommend, but uh, acknowledge and get my tongue untied here. I got a counterfeit tongue today. Oh. Uh, Recognize our sponsors, and we'll be back uh, just in just in as a little bit of time here uh, to take us into segment three. Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Did you know that hazardous substances and counterfeit material can be in everything we buy? From new clothing, cars, toys, power cords, and charging units, to your garden hose and the drywall in your home. Did you know that many of these toxins or counterfeits have been found to cause infertility, birth defects, autism, obesity, and diabetes, which can be passed down from parents to children? It's nearly impossible to know the ingredients in these products, yet Stan Salat Jr., author and creator of the not-for-profit HSF Mark Alliance and Counterfeit Avoidance Mark Alliance, believes that consumers have the right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in the products we buy. Are you a retailer, a manufacturer, a manager, and a person who cares about the safety of the products you sell and buy? Protect your assets, your job, and your family now. Tell Stan that you want his help. Contact BQPM today. Visit our website at www.bqpm.com or call toll-free 877-415-0191. BQPM.com. Together, we are working for your safety. 
Secure Components is your international certified supplier of obsolete and hard-to-find products. Specializing in counterfeit mitigation, Secure Components is a qualified supplier for the Department of Defense, Aerospace, Military, and Avionics Industries. If you're a business in need of hard-to-find or obsolete components, please contact us by visiting our website, securecomponents.com, or call us at 484-222-5195. Again, 484-222-5195. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. This is People to People, working for your safety. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to stan.salat at ecccorp.org. Again, that's stan.salat, S-A-L-O-T, at ecccorp.org. Now, back to People to People. Welcome back to People to People, working together for your safety. I'm your host, Dan Slott, Jr., and I'd like to welcome you back to today's show, Deterring Pending Disasters, Protecting Our Freedom. In our first segment today of the show, we heard Aaron Coker, Astute astute Electronics, uh, and what he's doing to eradicate this deadly counterfeit component pandemic nationally and internationally. As you recall, he, if you were listening uh, earlier, he talked about the need to have uh, a trusted supply chain, a uh, supply chain where we actually work together and buyers and sellers know each other and actually go through a certification program to ensure that we, we are buying products from companies and people that we know. In the second segment, we were talking to retired U.S. Air Force Colonel Robert Tipton, who shared his perspective on real-life efforts of counterfeit component pandemic and with his experience in the military and working uh, over the years, both military and commercial, or support actually to the government following the military career, uh, what he what he has uh, seen and the concerns he has uh, relative to supporting our warfighters, um, the men and women in the military. And when we talk about that, we're talking about the the uh, global military, all of those fighting for freedom. Uh, with my own 10 years of military service, uh, which was long before counterfeit components became a pandemic, my work in this area over the, the past 10 years leaves no doubt in my mind of the real dangers that uh, it puts our military men and women in, realizing uh, as an electronics engineer that it doesn't take much for an electronic component to go bad, uh, to not function right or to be the wrong part, uh, and that wrong part could be a part that just is the wrong specification and doesn't function uh, particularly when you're talking about aircraft where it stops working properly at altitude. Uh, so those kinds of things uh, are very troublesome. There are things that we try and uh, share with our audience. I try and get the word out. That's uh, a big part of this show itself. Another aspect of this is, and we haven't talked about it today, but uh, the Hazardous Substance Free Mark Alliance 
Uh, this is actually the third segment of today's show. And in that, I want to share with you some information on the subject of hazardous substance materials. And interestingly enough, how hazardous substance uh, materials and the, the move to reduce hazardous substances in products is actually contributing uh, to the, the um, counterfeit pandemic that we're up against. And specifically, when I, when I say this, what I'm really talking about is going back in a little bit of time here, or going back in time a little bit, uh, the European Union started a movement back in the early 2000 time frame to address both uh, hazardous substances, and they worked on six primary heavy metals, uh, lead, mercury, cadmium, hexylvania chromate being the, the most common ones that we hear about, and then the other two are flame retardants, PBD and PBDEs, uh, for the technical names of those, they're flame retardants. Uh, the EU collectively came up with a restriction of hazardous substances and started a process where uh, the world was was bound to reduce these from usage and particularly in electronics. Along with that came the movement to address the waste electrical electronic equipment in landfill. And this, to me, is perhaps the most significant contributor to counterfeit that uh, we, we could ev ever imagine. Um, while I absolutely support not putting uh, heavy metals and hazardous substances in the ground and covering it over with dirt, what we failed to do as a world was put in place the rules associated with recycling. And today what happens, and you've seen this perhaps on uh, 60 Minutes, you've seen it on, uh, if you're in the Bay Area, you've seen it in the San Francisco Bay Area, that is. Uh, one of the TV stations, CBS actually, did a, an article on uh, the waste, um, the recycling process rather, that was going on down in Africa. Uh, I think it was uh, Kenya. Africa, where uh, uh, they went down and, and actually filmed what's going on. Now, the thing you see first and foremost in that area is they're burning uh, rubber off of wire and they're, they're melting things and it's the harsh environment. What doesn't become obvious at first is that some folks know enough to disassemble in one way or another, disassemble electronic equipment take the parts that they take out of that equipment and turn it into what looks like a new part. Clean it up, retin it, resurface re, uh, it, make it look new. And I believe uh, Bob was the one that commented that, you know, this is, this is a practice that goes on and results in parts getting back in our supply chain. So... With all that uh, reality, how do you really go about stopping this? Uh, again, I, I go back to both Aaron and Bob are both involved in the SAE programs where we're writing standards, conformity assessment programs in the IECQ system, uh, where we're trying to address this, but we really have yet to address 
how one manages used materials, particularly used materials in the electronics industry. But I'm also familiar with uh, some folks in the Navy that have talked about the same problem with uh, hinges and latches and things used in submarines and the problems they've had with mechanical parts that actually fail in the depths of the ocean. I'd like to draw everyone's attention to coming back around to the hazardous substance free mark. That's a program that we actually started uh, back in 2010 after having put in place standards for ROHAS, the restriction of hazardous substance. Uh, dating back to 2005, I was part, uh, participant in developing an international standard and a conformity assessment program that really talks to what Aaron had mentioned, and that is that we certify uh, manufacturers in this case, or distributors, and or distributors, that demonstrate their ability to sell products that they can assure are hazardous substance free, that meet the requirements of the ROHS or ROHAS program, which is a restriction of hazardous substances. We put in place a program where we um, were able to certify through an international certification approach. And now I think there's uh, right at 4,100 or 4,200 certified manufacturers. And I'll go out on a little bit on a limb here, uh, just a little bit on a limb. But if you want a computer, a laptop computer that you can trust is hazardous substance free, while they don't mark it with the HSF mark, uh, ASUS, ASUS Technologies is one of the companies worldwide that has certified their manufacturing to be hazardous substance free through the uh, international certification program under a standard. Uh, if you're looking for a washer or dryer or refrigerator, uh, Whirlpool here in the U.S. is another company that has done the same thing. If you're looking for air conditioners in that, believe it or not, it's Higher Corporation out of China. Now, these are all companies that have demonstrated their ability to manage the hazardous substances, and they do this not only once to demonstrate that they know how, but they actually undergo annual surveillance. What we're trying to do today is actually get them to participate in the HSF mark so that when you go to a store and look for a product, you can actually see that HSF mark on that product and buy with confidence. And I dare say that this is uh, something that we should consider looking at for uh, the counterfeit avoidance program as well. And we do have a mark for counterfeit avoidance in those companies that actually become certified uh, following the discussion we had earlier on this show. If you're demonstrating your conformity through a surveillance program, an annual program that actually demonstrates, where you demonstrate to a third party, that you're compliant with these requirements and that you are one of the upstanding citizens or corporate citizens that adheres to a counterfeit-free or a hazardous substance-free uh, program. Uh, we, we 
would welcome and encourage the use of a single mark known worldwide to be the mark that's used to demonstrate not only conformity, but ongoing conformity through surveillance. That begins to get us on the line of this trust but verify. Um, so HSF mark, the HSF mark alliance, an international approach, the counterfeit avoidance mark alliance. In wrapping up, I'd like to share with everybody that these are two programs that's time has come. Welcome your support. Please visit our websites, visit our uh, sponsors, and I look forward to talking to you again next week. This is Stan Salat saying goodbye for today, and thank you for joining the show. Thank you for listening. Please join host Stan Salat Jr. for next week's edition of People to People, Working for Your Safety. We'll have another show next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a safe, toxic, and counterfeit-free week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 